Listen, this morning we're going to be in the Old Testament. Is that okay? You know, when Paul wrote to Timothy in Timothy chapter 3, verse 16, he says, all scripture is given by the inspiration of God. It's profitable for doctrine, reproof, correction, instruction, and righteousness. Now, what he was talking about, the scripture, the only scripture they had then was the, the Torah and the prophets. So he was actually talking about the Old Testament. Now, in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, I want you to look at that with me, verse 1. It says, moreover, brethren, I do not want you to be unaware that our, all of our fathers... They were under the cloud. And he's talking about when they were in the wilderness walking under the cloud, the pillar of fire by night and the cloud by day. He said, they all passed through the sea. They were all baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea. They all ate of the same spiritual food and all drank of the same spiritual drink. For they drank of that spiritual rock that followed them and that rock was Christ. But with most of them, God was not well pleased for their bodies were scattered in the wilderness. Now, verse 6 is what I want you to focus on. Now, these things became our examples to the intent that we should not lust after evil things as they also lusted. And do not become idolaters as were some of them as it is written. Now, he's making reference again to the Old Testament scriptures. The people sat down and eat and drank and rose up to play. Now, that's actually a Psalms of David. Now, let us... Uh, nor let us commit uh, sexual immorality as some of them did. And in one day, 23,000 fell. Nor let us tempt Christ as some of them also tempted and were destroyed by the serpents. Nor complain as some of them also complained and were destroyed by the destroyer. Now all these things happened to them, and here he says it again, as an example, and they were written, again referring to the Old Testament, for our admonition upon whom the ends of the age have come. And he says it again when he writes to the church at Rome in Romans chapter 15, verse 4. For whatever things were written before were written for our learning that we through the patience and comforts of the scripture might have hope. So not only, what God is saying, not only do, are we to study things in the Old Testament to learn from them, but when we study those things, it gives us hope. Gives us hope. So we, we learn from people that uh, we study in the Scripture in the Old Testament. Some of them were heroes. Some of them were villains. You know, some succeeded. Some failed. Uh, some went through some very hard times. And some of them messed up. Their intentions were good, but they just made mistakes. They made bad choices. Uh, and some of them got it right. So we're going to learn uh, from the Old Testament uh, this morning that if you trust God and obey God, he's going, it's going to bring blessing. Amen. And if you disobey God, it's going to bring judgment. So we're going to spend some time there to learn and, and to give you hope. Amen. Don't you want some hope this morning? Boy, I sure do. Father, we just thank you now in Jesus' name that your word is yes, it's amen, it's always a now word, God. And I pray today, Lord, that the Holy Spirit would just uh, anoint this time. Father, we, we want to hear from you. God, we want to hear your heart. Lord, I, I think of a child that just climbs up in his father's lap, Lord, and he lays his head against his father's chest, and he can hear his heartbeat, and he can smell the aroma of his... I can remember as a child climbing up in my dad's lap, and I could smell his cologne, or if he'd been working, I could smell his sweat, you know. And, and God, we just want to climb up in your lap this morning, Lord, just hear your heartbeat, God. 
We want to know what you want us to know, Lord. And Father, I know that even more than we desire that, God, you desire to speak into our life. So Holy Spirit of God, we just set aside this time. We give you our attention. We come against every spirit that would distract, every spirit that would deceive. In Jesus' name, you said whatsoever things we bind on the earth, they are bound in the realm of the spirit. And whatever things we loose, they're loosed in the realm of the spirit. God, we loose your word now in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, praise God. How many of you had a good week? Man, Monday, it was so stinking cold. Great day. What happened? And then it was 60 degrees. What, Wednesday? And next Thursday, we're getting a repeat for Monday. So just brace yourself. It's coming again. It's supposed to be like 17 degrees. Anyway, I hope you had a good week. Everything's going well for you. Amen. I don't know if you've been caught up with the news, but I, did you hear about Yazoo City, Mississippi got a new pastor at the first church in Yazoo City, Mississippi? Well, they did. New pastor came to down and uh, Deacon was driving him around town and he was showing him all the different places there. And he said, well, so-and-so lives here and they come to church and so-and-so lives there and they used to come to church. And well, he rode by this one house and he didn't say anything. And the pastor said, well, who lives there? He said, oh, that's Eugene Ledbetter. He's one of the Ledbetter boys. There's Arnell, Unell, W.L., Odell, Marcel, Clovis, Eugene, and Claude. And that's Eugene. He said, he loves to tell lies. He said, well, why does he do that? He said, I don't know, Reverend. said, he would rather climb a tree and tell a lie than stand on the ground and tell the truth. He said, well, somebody ought to talk to him about that. He said, well, we've tried and it don't do any good. He said, well, I know what we'll do. He said, we'll make up the most unbelievable outlandish lie you have ever heard and go tell it to him and show him just how ridiculous that is. He said, well, that might just work, Reverend. So they went and knocked on the door, and Eugene opened the door. He said, Eugene, this is our new pastor. He said, well, come on in, Reverend. And Eugene was sitting there trying to think up a whopper. About that time, the pastor said, you'll never guess what happened to me last Sunday. He said, what's that? He said, about the time I got into my sermon, said the back doors of the church flung open, and in walked a great big grizzly bear. Said it walked right down the aisle, and when it got to the front of the church, the back door flung open again, and in walked a little bitty black and white chihuahua dog. He ran down that aisle, jumped on that grizzly bear, said they fought all the way across the front, all the way down that side, across the back, and back up the other side. Said there was dust and blood and hair everywhere. Said when the hair cleared, there stood that little bitty black and white chihuahua dog, and he had done it, that grizzly bear, plumb up. Said, now, do you believe that? Eugene said, Chucks, yeah, I believe that. That was my dog. <laughs> now, the point in that is some people will not be well known. You know, you may be a person and your life is pretty much uneventful. Your children may remember you if you're blessed to have children or if you're blessed to have grandchildren, they may remember you. If you're really, really blessed, you may actually have some great-grandchildren that may remember you. But beyond that, you may not be very well-known. But many people will be well-known. The question I'm asking you this morning is, what will you be well-known for? What do you want to be remembered for? You know, the epitaph for Eugene Ledbetter is Ledbetter will be on his grave. It'll probably say Eugene Ledbetter, the biggest liar in Yazoo City, Mississippi. <laughs> I don't want an epitaph like that. How about you? Now, the Old Testament records the life of people. God 
and in his interaction and the way he worked in the lives of people. That's what the Old Testament is about. And we learn from the lives of those people. Many of them are heroes. I, I don't care about the world's heroes. I don't. I like God's heroes. Amen. And so we can study the lives of these men. We can study about Adam and the fact that he sinned and he passed down that sin to all of his unborn children, you know. And we can learn about Methuselah and we can learn about Enoch who walked with God and was not. Then we come on up to Noah, you know. Noah was perfect in his generation and he found grace in the eyes of God and how that God used him to uh, save mankind on the earth when the flood came. Then we learn about the man who God made covenant with. The Bible says that he was a friend of God. His name was Abraham. And from him came the Jewish people. And you and I, the Bible says, if you be in Christ Jesus, then are you Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. So we can learn about Abraham. We can study the life of his son Isaac, you know, and how that Abraham laid him on the altar. Study about Jacob, his son. And Jacob had 12 sons which became the 12 tribes of, the, of Israel. The one that really stands out among them is Joseph, who God sent into Egypt ahead of them to save the life of the Hebrew children because of the famine that was coming on the earth. And then the Bible talks about that there was a Pharaoh that rose up that didn't remember Joseph. The children of Israel went into slavery for 400 years. And after 400 years, he raised up another hero. He sent a deliverer named Moses, we can learn a lot from the life of Moses. Then the guy that followed him, Joshua, who told the children of Israel when he led them into the promised land, he said, if you think it's evil to serve God, then make up your mind, choose. Which God you're going to serve? You're going to serve the gods that your father served on the other side of the flood? You're going to serve the gods in the, uh, the Amorites in the land that we now dwell? He said, but as for me and my house, we're going to serve God. We're going to serve the Lord. And the Bible said that the children of Israel served God all the days of the life of Joshua. I mean, what a great man to study. You know, then we enter into the period of the judges. Study about Ehud. Ehud was one of the judges. He was left-handed. He went into Eglon, the king. It's a big, heavy king. It was, uh, uh, it was the dominating power in the land. And he slipped in and was the king thought he came to pay tribute but he he had hit his sword because he's left-handed everybody checked for the sword on the other side and he took his sword and stuck it the bible says that the handle of the sword went into his stomach pushed it all the way up into him and then he come in and shut the door and he left and they didn't even know the king was dead we can learn about um deborah the the woman who you know we have people want to have a problem with women being in charge i could i could vote for a woman to be president amen Deborah was a ruler of the entire nation of Israel. Her general, Barak, says, I won't even go into battle unless you go with me. Because Caesarea, the king of the Assyrians, was coming against them, and Barak wouldn't go against him. And so Deborah said, well, I'll go with you. And Caesarea ran into a swampy place, and the chariot got stuck, and he had to get out of the chariot and run. And he hides in this tent, and this woman drives a stake through his head into the ground. How many of you know that story? She gave him some milk, said, yeah, I'll watch out for the enemy for you. And he's, and she takes a, a maul and a tent peg and drives it through the temple and into the ground. I'm like, whoa, man, some bad women in the Bible. Yeah, some of you say, I used to be married to that woman. Yeah. No, I'm just kidding. We can learn about Gideon. Gideon, the Bible says that the camels and the chariots could not even be numbered to the Midianite army that was coming against him. 
but how the Bible said that God took Gideon and 300 men and defeated the army of the Lord. Run about Jephthah, another judge who made a very foolish covenant and and he said, God, if you will give me victory in this battle, I will sacrifice the first thing that comes out of my house when I return home. And when he gets home, his one and only daughter runs out to meet him. And uh, we learn about not making foolish vows and foolish judgments. Learn about Samson and his strength that came because he was a Nazarite from the day that he was born. And uh, learn about Delilah, how she tricked him and cut his hair and he was defeated. They gouged out his eyes and put him on the on the grind to like a, treat him like a donkey or a, uh, an oxen. And how he pulled down the pillars and killed more people in his death than he'd killed in his life. Learn about Eli, the priest that ruled over Israel and he was heavy and how his sons, Hopni and Phinehas, went into battle and they thought because we were losing the battle, they sent and had the Ark of the Covenant brought because they used it like a good luck charm. And the Philistines took the Ark of the Covenant and Hopni and Phinehas was killed in that battle. They came back and told Eli, your sons are both dead. And they have taken the Ark of the Covenant. The Bible says that when Eli heard that the Ark of the Covenant was taken, he fell off of his seat and it broke his neck, for he was very heavy. And his daughter-in-law gave birth to a child. She went into labor when she heard that her husband was dead and gave birth to a son, and they named him Ichabod, meaning the glory of the Lord has departed. We could study the, uh, the life of the last judge who was Samuel the prophet, a great man of God. And then the people began to say, we want kings like all of the other nations. And so God said, if you want a king, all right, I'll give you a king. So he looks around and he finds one man that is a head and shoulder taller than everybody else in the city. He said, well, I'll just make him king. And so Saul became the king. And there's a very good contrast between Saul and the next king, which is King David. And David is the man that I wanted us to look at this morning. I just wanted to give you a little history of how we got there. I mean, we could pick any one of those. There's some great stories there and great lessons to be learned. But for quite some time, I've wanted to do a study and a, a series on the life of David and things that we can learn from the life of David. Because if anybody has an epitaph in Scripture that I would like to have, David has that. The Bible says that David was a man after God's own heart. If you look at Acts chapter 13 with me, it says in verse 20, after that he gave them judges for about 450 years until Samuel the prophet. And afterwards they asked for a king, so God gave them Saul, the son of Kish, a man of the tribe of Benjamin for 40 years. And when he had removed him, he raised up for them David as king, to whom also he gave testimony and said, I have found David, the son of Jesse, a man after my own heart, who will do all my will. For this man's seed, according to the promise, God raised up for Israel a Savior, Jesus. I mean, what kind of an epitaph is that? He was a man after God's own heart, and his generation would eventually produce Jesus Christ, the Savior and Lord. Now, I'm going to be really, really brief today because I usually get like long, long, long-winded. And I noticed the other day when I was preaching, I said, I'm going to give you 10 points to success. And I was kind of way into the sermon. And I saw about half of you switch from one cheek to the other because you were thinking, oh, Lord, he's almost done. And he's going to go into 10 points of how to succeed. 
<laughs> and I could see the light switch went off. I said, they're not going to hear these 10 points, but you were glad to hear. It's like, if you fail, try again. If you fail, try again. And I went through 10 points like a blitz, you know. So I'm going to try to be really brief this morning because I want you to really get this. We're sitting here this, mor uh, this morning, and up until this moment in time, our life has meant what? What has your life meant up until this point? I don't know what kind of epitaph that you want, what you're planning to leave, what you want to know for, but I want you to know this. Your life affects more than just you. Your life will affect a lot of other people, and it can affect generations to come. The Bible says in Psalms chapter 103, I want you to look at this with me, verse 17, but the mercy of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting upon them that fear him and his righteousness unto children's children. Now, I want you to hear what that's saying. The mercy of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting on them. His mercy on me is not just going to last my lifetime. It's going to exceed my lifetime. And it is going to be handed down to my children's children it says in luke chapter 150 and his mercy is on them that fear him from generation to generation so i don't know what you want to leave in this life but let me tell you something if you love your kids you better love this book and live by it because the mercies of god is going to be on your life and it's going to affect your children so you're sitting here this morning is like, well, what has my life been up to this point? You say, Pastor, I, I haven't lived a very good life. I really messed up already. What can God do with a man like me? What can God do with a woman like me? Well, let's look at this man, David. Because out of all the people that God could have used to do the, the great things that he did and to have the epitaph that he's a man after God's own heart, David would not be the guy that I would have chosen. Because you know the story when he became king, and I'm not going to get into the details of it, he became king. He had defeated thousands of people in battle. In fact, he wanted to build the temple, and God says, no, you have blood on your hands. I'm going to let your son build the temple for me. And so he got to the point that he didn't go into battle with his army anymore. He stayed at home. He should have been in the battlefield, but he's at home up on top of his palace overlooking the city. And he looks down and sees this absolutely beautiful woman taking a bath, which was normal for them to do, on the roof. Her name was Bathsheba. She was another man's wife. And so he sent for her, had her brought to him. He lay with her. She conceived while her husband, one of his mighty men, was Uriah the Hittite was in the battlefield fighting. So to try to cover his deeds, he sends for Uriah, brings him in. Uriah's, because of his commitment to his soldiers, wouldn't go in to his wife, but slept outside. So the next night he got him drunk thinking he would go in, and still he wouldn't. So then he sends him back to the battle with orders in his hands to give to the general that he himself would be sent into the battle. And when they got into the heat of the battle, the army would retreat and leave him there to be killed, basically... It was a hit job. David had Uriah the Hittite murdered. Then Nathan the prophet comes to him and says, David, 
There was a man that he had one ewe lamb, a little baby lamb, and it was like a child to him. It slept in his bosom. It ate at his table. His kids loved it. And there was another rich man that had herds of sheep. A visitor <clears throat> came to his house, and he wanted to prepare a meal for his visitor, so he sent and took the man's ewe lamb and killed it to feed his friend. And David said, who is this man? I will have him put to death and he will pay tenfold what he has taken from that man. And Nathan said, David, you are that man. And the Bible says that David said, I have sinned before God and before man. And what we see here is a picture of a man who had a repentant heart. And because of that, God went on to use this man for mighty things. Now, I want you to look with me in Second Chronicles. We're going we're gonna to go through some scriptures here. And I want, to see you the, I want you to see how that God used him and that the mercy of the Lord went, it, it, it is lasting even to this day. I mean, we are thousands of years past the life of David still talking about this man. We still remember this man and remember what he did. Eleven years after David had died, Second Chronicles chapter 6 and verse 42, <clears throat> is dealing with his son Solomon. And he says, O Lord God, do not turn away the face of your anointed. Remember the mercies of your servant David. Solomon <clears throat> had sinned against God. And instead of saying, God, please forgive me, he said, remember what my father did. Second Chronicles chapter 7, the very next uh, verse, the chapter, verse 1, it says, When Solomon had finished praying, fire came down from heaven and consumed the burnt offering, the sacrifice, the glory of the Lord filled the temple, and the priests could not enter into the house of the Lord because the glory of the Lord had filled the house. Now, what's it talking about? Solomon had completed the temple, and he's praying, and he prays this long prayer in First, uh, Second Chronicles chapter 6, he prays this long prayer, and in the 42nd verse, he finally says, and by the way, God, remember the mercies of David. And when he said that, the glory of the Lord came into the temple so that they couldn't stand in the temple. <clears throat> the glory came down not because of Solomon's prayer, because he remembered the mercies that he had promised David. I believe, church, that the glory of the Lord came to this place over 20 years ago. Because when, when Jeannie and I moved back to Virginia, <clears throat> we had gone to Connecticut to help plant a church there. And I, I, I prayed and I was actually, I was fasted and the Lord told me to go home, get your house in order. And so I, I moved back to Virginia not knowing what the Lord would do. For nine years we stayed here. We served in a local church and God finally closed the door there, and then we were just searching, not knowing what to do. And uh, if I'm not going to go into the details of it, but the Lord spoke to my heart and said, I want you to plant a church right here in Louisa's. We There were no full gospel churches in the area, Pentecostal, whatever you want to call it, in the area. And so um, I, I told a few people, but that wasn't where this began. Because you back up three years, I was a t teacher in a Sunday school class. Some of you sitting in this room were in that Sunday school class. You remember this. We would just get into a good discussion and the bell would ring. You remember back in the Sunday school class days and they'd ring the bell and he's got to break up. 
and the bell would ring. So somebody in the Sunday school class said, can't we meet sometime and just have a Bible study where there is no time limit and we can just talk as long as we want to? And I was like, whoa, let's just wait a minute. Now, let, let me check. Because I was on the deacon board, and so I went to the pastor, went to the deacon board, and they gave it their blessing. We called it prayer and share. And every Friday night for three years, we met. And it, sometimes it would go to 2 o'clock in the morning. Some, how many of you remember that? Some of you are in the, how many were prayer and share people? Raise your hand real high. Some of the prayer and share people that was here. And so we did that. But the main thing that we did during that prayer and share is we prayed for the power of God and the Spirit of God to move in the churches in the Central Virginia area for three solid years. When I finally decided that I was going to plant the church here, I, I, you, some of you know the story, I visited Orange Assembly of God, and that Sunday the pastor who had been there for about six months, he, he, he had had an altar call. The people got up and went back to their seat. He was dismissing that morning in prayer. And he stopped. He said, there's a special anointing here today. He said, I've been praying for Green and Page and, and Louisa and Madison County for God to raise up a work. He said, somebody is here today and God has put it in your heart to raise up one of those works. And said, I want to pray for you. And I, and I went up and met with him. And so we through that series, decided that we would go with the Assemblies of God. And uh, I met with Bill Smith, who was the sectional presbyter of this area. He had been the sectional presbyter for 18 years. And I met with him right up here at Hardy's in Louisa. And he sat there, and I told him my story. I told him everything about how we came about moving back to Virginia and how God had moved in our heart and how I'd gone to Greg's church and everything. And he looked at me, and this is what he said. He said, Bernie, 18 years ago, God told me that he would raise up a work in Louisa. 18 years I've been praying for God to move in this area. He said, today is the day, now is the time, and you are the man, and I know it in my heart. The glory of the Lord didn't come because I decided to plant a church in Louisa. I believe that the glory of the Lord came because the mercy that's on your life, those that was in that prayer and share group, the mercy that was on the life of Bill Smith and men like that. Listen, your life affects a whole lot more people than you. You know, the prayers of Bill Smith, when he dies and goes to heaven, every person, every life that was touched through this ministry will be credited to his account because he was faithful to pray for this ministry. Greg and people like that. Your life affects a lot of people. And the way you live it is very, very important. Eleven years after his death, the mercy of the Lord is still following David's life. Twenty-three years after his death, 1 Kings chapter 11, it says Solomon went after Ashtaroth. Now Solomon, he, I told you he, he, he didn't follow the Lord. He was a sinful man. For Solomon went after Ashtaroth, the goddess of the Sidonians, she has many different names. She is, she is also known as Esteros, Esther. We get the word Easter actually from the name of this goddess. Have you ever wondered why there's eggs and bunny rabbits associated with Easter? It's a pagan religion. It's a pagan practice. You want to know why we don't have Easter bunnies and egg hunts at CVAG? Because it's demonic. Boy, I get on, a, I get on my soapbox here in a minute. Now, we celebrate the resurrection of Jesus Christ, in other words. We have a Seder meal, all right? Solomon went after Esther, the goddess of the Sidonians. She was the fertility god. 
And after Milcon, the abomination of the Ammonites, Solomon did evil in the sight of the Lord. He did not fully follow the Lord as did his father David. Now look down at verse 11. Therefore the Lord said to Solomon, because you have done this and have not kept my covenant and my statutes, which I have commanded you, I will surely tear the kingdom away from you and give it to your servant. Nevertheless, I will not do this, do it in your day for the sake of your father David. David's been dead for 23 years and still the favor of God is being passed down from generation to generation. God's covenant with his father is sparing him. You wonder sometimes why you didn't die in a car crash? Huh? You wonder sometimes why that bullet didn't kill you? Why that fall didn't kill you? You wonder? It may not have anything to do with you. But it's the favor of God on your father or your grandfather or your grandparents or great-grandparents. Who knows how far back it will go. I remember when, when Jeannie got filled with the Holy Ghost, all she could say was, Miss Clark was right. Miss Clark was right. Miss Clark was right. Miss Clark was a lady that prayed for Jeannie and her family. When Jeannie would tell me about going to see her, her, um, her aunt up in, in southwest Virginia. What, what was her name, Joe? Pricey, ain't Pricey, yeah. And what was her husband's name? What is it? Jet? Deck, 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 thank you. Deck over here, deck. Yeah, Deck and Pricey. And she said that they would go up there in that mountain and said it was, well, I mean, I've been to their house. It's on top of the mountain, brother. I mean, you go up this little winding road to get up there. It's back in the sticks, back in the holler. And she said they would turn the lights off at night and it was pitch dark. You couldn't see your hand in front of your face. And they're laying in the bed and she'd hear Pricey start praying. Oh, Lord. And I mean, they would pray themselves to sleep. She said, you watch over Andrine, bless her children, and she start praying for all of the kids. And Andrine was Jeannie's mom and their family. Why is Jeannie in the Lord today? Why is God's favor on her life? It could be the mercies of God on any price here. Who knows? Who knows what has guided your, your steps and directed your life? The mercies of God is passed down. Your life doesn't just affect you. It affects many people after you. A lot of people are affected by your life. 57 years after David's death, his great-grandson, Abijam, received mercy. First Kings chapter 15, verse 1, look at it with me. In the 18th year of King Jeroboam. Now, Jeroboam was the king of the northern kingdom of Israel. Remember, after Solomon, the kingdom was divided. Rehoboam was Solomon's son, and he became the king of Judah, the southern kingdom. Jeroboam was the general that served under Solomon, and he became the king of the northern ten tribes. So during that year of king, the 18th year of King Jeroboam, the son of Nabath, Abijam became the king over Judah. That's the southern kingdom. He reigned three years in Jerusalem. His mother's name was Melchah, the granddaughter of Abashalom. And he walked in all the sins of his father. See, Rehoboam, Riri, I call him Riri because he wasn't too smart. Riri wasn't real smart. He, he, uh, he didn't serve the Lord either. 
So he walked in all the sins of his father, which he had done before him. His heart was not loyal to the Lord his God, as was the heart of his father, David. Nevertheless, verse 4, look at this. For David's sake, the Lord his God gave him a lamp in Jerusalem by setting up his son after him and by establishing Jerusalem because David did what was right in the eyes of the Lord and had not turned aside from anything that com he commanded him in all the days of his life except in the matter of Uriah the Hittite. So God's favor is being passed down to his ungodly, heathen, great-grandson. The only reason God didn't whack him was because of great-grandpa. He was a godly man. So we wonder sometimes, why would God, God could have killed me, but he spared you. Who's to say it, is, it wasn't because of the mercy and the favor that was on somebody that was in your lineage or praying for you? Now, we're going to fast forward here. 567 years. 2 Kings chapter 19. Hezekiah is now the king of Israel. Now, actually, Hezekiah was a godly king. His father had nailed the door of the temple shut and stopped the sacrifice. Hezekiah pulled the nails out. He opened the doors. He reestablished the Levitical priesthood. He was a godly king. He did some foolish things. There was a king, the, the most powerful army that had this, at this time had already overtaken the 10 northern tribes of Israel. How many, who's a Bible history student in here that can tell me who took over the 10 northern kingdoms? Anybody know? Huh? It was the Assyrians. Who took over the southern tribe? All right, every Wednesday night we have a Bible study here. All right, we have some excellent Bible teachers here to teach you that the Babylonians took over the southern tribes, all right? So the tent, did you get it, Maddie? What are you, too shy to speak up back there, girl? Did you get it right, Dwight? I hear you, girl. We're gonna, I need a good teacher on Wednesday night. You want to start? No, just kidding. So the Syrians had already taken over the 10 northern tribes, and now they're threatening the southern tribe. And there was a, there was a guy named Sennacherib. And Sennacherib, and he starts telling Hezekiah, this kingdom has failed, this kingdom has failed, their gods couldn't save them. And so Hezekiah goes before the Lord God of heaven, the one true God, he says. He says the other gods have failed because they were not gods, they were wood and stone. But you are God. And he began to cry out. And this is what God said to him. 2 Kings chapter 19, verse 32. Therefore thus saith the Lord concerning the king of Assyria, he shall not come into this city, nor shoot an arrow there, nor come before it with a shield, nor build a siege mound against it. By the way he came, by the same shall he return. And he shall not come into this city, says the Lord, for I will defend this city to save it for my own sake and for my servant David's sake. I'm like, wait a minute, what about Hezekiah? He's a godly king. Like, no, it's not for your sake, Hezekiah. The mercy of God is being given to you because of your great, 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 great grandfather, David. 
My mercy is on him and it's being passed down to you. Because he knew that David, that Hezekiah, God knows, listen, he is, he is omniscient. How many of you know what omniscient means? Huh? He knows everything. He knows the end from the beginning. He knew before the foundation of the world what the end would be. He knew that you would be here this morning. He knows what you'll do tomorrow and what you'll do next week. All right, he's omniscient. So he knew that Hezekiah would later on, when the Babylonians came, he would boast about all of his greatness. He would take them and show them all the treasures of Israel, which was a foolish thing. And God rebuked him because he did that and said, because of what you've done, the Babylonians will take everything that you have. And they did. Eventually they did. But not in his life, because, and if you read the story, he, he, the, the, uh, the prophets came and told him he's going to die, and he's like, pray that I won't die. So God added 15 years to his life, and he did good up until that time. It was in the last 15 years that God extended his life that he, he did foolish things. Sometimes if God's ready to check you out, just say goodbye and go. Amen? Come on. Hey, if we believe in heaven, we believe in, in God, there's something better waiting for me. I told the wife, I said, don't put me on life support. If something happens to me, brother, just say goodbye. I'll see you later, baby. If you get there before I do, don't give up on me. How many like that song? I'll be there when my chores are few. Through. I don't know how long I'll be, but I'll you'll be there when the work is done. Yeah. So anyway, the mercy of God was on, on uh, David's descendants 567 years after he's dead. God's mercy is still being extended to them. Why? Because your life affects more than just you. Let's read it again. Psalms 103. The mercy of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting upon them that fear him and his righteousness unto children's children. Come on, I have a reverent all for God and because of that his favor is on my life not only that but his favor is on my children's life his favor will be on my grandchildren's life and if God if Jesus tarries and I have great 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 grandchildren I believe that the mercy and the favor of God will be on them because I have decided in my heart I am going to trust God I'm going to obey God and I have done that as faithfully as I could with one little one-year blip, and I've shared that with you. I backslid for, well, I, I didn't backslid. I just, I was bitter, and I turned away from God for one year. But since I was 19 years old, I have served the Lord. And I expect the favor of God on my, on my children. You know, I was, I was laying in bed one night, and my oldest daughter, my, my daughter's charity is my oldest child. She and my oldest son, I don't know where Kayla was at, but Nathan and Charity, they were sitting in the, in the kitchen, they had fixed them a sandwich. And Jean and I was laying on the bed. I think I was laying there reading. And I could hear them down the hall bow their head and pray over their food. Just the two of them, you know. And, and Nathan, he was the one. He, at, 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 uh, when we'd tuck them in, we'd pray for them every night when we tucked them in. Every night when we tucked them in, we prayed for their mate. See, I prayed for, for Mark Byerly for 27 years before he ever showed up. Charity was 27 years old when they got married. He's the first boy she ever held hands with, first boy she ever kissed. She said, I'll marry the man that has a greater anointing and a higher calling than I do. 
And he showed up. Amen. Come on. Mark Barley showed up. And he's got a greater anointing than I, I guess. You know. You know, I prayed for Chelsea for 20 years before I ever met her. I prayed for Prissy for 20 years before I ever met her. We just did that every night. And they're in there and they fix their sandwich and, and I heard them pray over their food. And it, it just caught me. I, and I just, I, I don't remember, I, thought, I might have been reading the Bible, I'm not sure. I, I closed my book, I said, God, thank you. Thank you that my children serve you. And it was as if I heard the Spirit of the Lord say, no, Bernie. Thank you for raising them to trust me. Come on, what kind of epitaph are you going to leave? What do you want to be remembered for? I want my children's 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 children to serve God in the mercy of God to be on their life. Because Luke one fifty says, and his mercy is on them that fear him from generation to generation. So whatever you're passing down to your children, what are you passing down to them? Now, if you're here this morning, you say, Pastor, I'm really not happy with the legacy that I'm leaving. Because I'm not really leaving a very good legacy. What do I do? What do you do when you are messing up? How many of you remember the video from a couple of weeks ago? Huh? What did he say? Stop it. <laughs> Wasn't that awesome? Stop it. You want me to do what? Just stop it. Why are you doing it? That, that, that's crazy. What are you, what are you, you kook? <laughs> he was hilarious. I would never call you a kook, all right? But just stop it. See, we've all heard insanity is doing the same thing and expecting a different result. If what we're doing is not the right thing, then stop and start doing the right thing. If you want to overcome failure, the first thing that you need to do is admit that you're failing. Are you hearing me, church? You got to admit that you're doing something wrong. You know, sometimes I wonder, what will it take for a person to, to face their life, their reality? What, do we got to go up, we got to wind up in a pig pen? Like the prodigal son? I mean, he had to wait around in pig poo and eat slop before he realized, this is not really smart. This is not the way I should be doing this. But some people, for whatever reason, it is a mystery to me, they just cannot say, I am wrong. Pride, my goodness. The original sin, Lucifer said, I will be like the Most High God. I will set my throne above his throne. Pride. Prideful people cannot admit that they're doing something wrong. Their whole life becomes a lie. They spend their entire life trying to cover up their mistakes. And when they do, they become a prisoner to pretense. I'm just pretending they, their life is a lie and delusion. Spend their entire life in charade, in hypocrisy. See, the word hypocrisy means role-playing. It's like being a play actor in a movie. You're pretending to be something that you are not. And people that can't say, I am wrong, live that kind of life. Come on, I know people like that. 
I know people that are living today and they're living a lie because they're saying that they did this or did that and did something else when I know they didn't do that. And it's a lie. They can't just be honest and tell the truth. We just need to get over our prideful self. Amen? Come on now. That applies to all of us. We need to get over our prideful self. You are not a humdinger. Remember that story? Some of you don't know what I'm talking about. The pastor friend of mine, he said he had, a, he had invited a guest speaker to come to his church, and this little lady said, I've been in prayer, and God said he's not supposed to be coming. And the pastor said, well, I'm sorry. I respect your prayers, but I've invited him, and he's coming. I prayed, and God told me to invite him. Well, the Sunday that he got there, this is a true story now. The Sunday that he got there, the guest speaker was introduced, and he took the platform, and as soon as he got there, that little old woman jumped out in the aisle, and she pointed her finger at him and said, Thus saith the Lord, thou thinkest thou art a humdinger. But thou art not a humdinger, saith God. Thou art just a dinger, saith the Lord. And sit back down. This is a true story. <laughs> he's telling this, Mark Rowland tells the story, said, My Lord, Brother, what did you do? He said, brother, I froze at the controls. He said, I didn't know what to do. He said, about that time, the guest speaker saved the day. He said, he busted out laughing and said, the whole church just erupted in a big belly rolling laugh. He said, that little woman jumped up and says, I'm leaving this church and I'm never coming back. And said, Dr. Ron said, what'd you do? He said, I just said, praise God, deliverance has come. <laughs> So he went on to say this, and this is what I'm saying to you. Thus saith the Lord, thou art not the humdinger. Thou art just a dinger, saith God. Amen. You're not a humdinger. <laughs> There's no humdingers in here. We're just all a bunch of dingers. But God loves thee in thy dingerness, saith the Lord. Amen. Come on, we need to get over our prideful self. Everybody is a donkey sometimes. Lord showed me that years ago. You know, sometimes you're just a donkey. Sometimes you do something that is just silly. It's not smart, you know, or sometimes you make bad choices. Sometimes you do some terrible things. And the thing to do is just say, hee-haw. I'm a donkey. I'm wrong, all right? And get over it and move on because you will never get to a place where you can serve God until you get over your prideful self and repent. And it begins with admitting that you're wrong. A lot of people can never get to that place. You know, I, we, Brother Joel was preaching one Sunday. I think, no, that was a different time. That's when the ladies, yeah, I won't go there. I don't remember. All I remember is, no, I was preaching because I was in the pulpit. The altar was filled with people. And, and it was, I don't know what I preached on. I'm, I'm telling you, church, in the early days, there must have been a bunch of messed up people coming to this church. Because every Sunday, people were crying and repenting and getting their life right. I'm like, man, these people are a wreck. <laughs> Thank God you're all fixed. We don't. But they got up and some of them started making their way back to their seat and the Spirit of the Lord spoke to my heart and said, some of them went back to their seat the same way they came up here. They're sorry for their sin, but they have not repented of their sin. And so I got up and I said, this is what I heard the Lord say. You know, it's one thing to be sorry for your sin, 
It's another thing to repent of it. Repenting means you've got to admit that you've done something wrong and just, you know, just admit it. I'm wrong, you know. I'm sorry. Please forgive me. You know, if there's a place where people should be able to admit that they are wrong and, and my life is a mess and I've got, it should be in the church. Come on, every one of us has received the grace, received the grace of God. And grace received should be grace given. We shouldn't, we, we shouldn't have a problem helping people overcome that. Amen. Do you want the mercy of God on your life? Well, His mercy and His grace endures forever to those that repent, like David. Because David, when he was confronted by the prophet Nathan, the Bible says that he said, I have sinned. I have sinned against God. And so, if you want the grace of God on your life, it needs to begin with repentance. Now, you may have received mercy in your life and you think, well, I'm good because God's favor has been on my life. It may not have anything to do. You may be like Hezekiah. God's grace and mercy and favor is on you, but it's not because of your goodness. It may be because of the favor that was on your father. But if that is the case, let me tell you something. Daddy and grandpa might have been great godly men, but God doesn't have any grandchildren. God's grace and mercy is on you because you repent. He wants you to have a personal relationship with him. It doesn't matter because I've met people and, and they kind of put a lot of stock in the fact that grandma and grandpa and daddy and whatever are good godly men. Like it, it gives them grace and mercy and, and God's favor, that's true. But it doesn't save them. God only saves those who repent. You must repent. And so we want to create an atmosphere here where people can come if they're wounded or they're hurt and they can be honest. They can say, my life's a mess. My life's a wreck. And listen, we want to be able to help those people. Amen. The church has been guilty of burying their wounded. You know, if somebody's wounded. We don't need to go dig a hole and pitch them in it. We need to help heal them. And so I thank God that we have a church like that. So <clears throat> if you don't like the legacy that you're leaving, don't, don't be discouraged. God can, God can take any failure and turn it into success. I mean, look, look this way and listen to me. Let me ask you something. Do you think that your success in the Lord is what gives you favor? How faithful I am serving God, that's why I have favor? No, it's God's grace. It's always God's grace. The Bible says there is none that doeth good. No, not one. We have all sinned and come short of the glory of God. Our righteousness is like filthy rags in his sight. It's not by the good deeds that I have done, but by his spirit, saith the Lord. It's God's grace that saved us. So if you don't like the le legacy that you're leaving, maybe you're, you're not good at all. You're just messing up all over the place. God's not through with you. Amen. And this is, the, this is what I want you to take out of here. I don't care what you've done. It doesn't matter. Jeremiah chapter 18. We're going we're gonna to close with this. He says, the word which came to Jeremiah from the Lord saying, arise and go down to the potter's house and there I will cause thee to hear my word. Then I went down to the potter's house and behold, he wrought a work on the wheel. Now imagine this. 
Jeremiah heard the Lord say, I want you to go down to the potter's house, and when you get there, I'm going to talk to you. And he goes down there, and he's got the wheel spinning. Now, I don't know how they had their potter's wheel back then, but they got, probably had this foot kick. Anybody ever done any pottery? Have you done that? Do you know how to teach it? My wife's wanting to do that, so I'd, I'd love to do a pottery class. I, that would be fun, having that clay. And Anyway, he had... I jumped a rabbit. Anyway, he was turning this pottery. And so as he was turning this, Jeremiah is watching him. He's wrought a work on the wheel. Verse 4. And the vessel that he made of the clay was marred in the hands of the potter. So something happened. Sometimes when they make these things and it's spinning, all of a sudden it just goes. Have you ever watched them do this class on TV or something? They got this thing and it's almost perfect and all of a sudden it just goes. And it just. All right. So you get a picture. That's you. Are you hearing me? That's you. Your life is a blob. It's a mess, you know. That's what he's saying. So he made it again another vessel as seemed good to the potter to make it. Then the word of the Lord came to me saying, O house of Israel, cannot I do with you as this potter? saith the Lord. Behold, as the clay is in the potter's hand, so are you in mine hands, O house of Israel. Church, you may not be happy with the way you're living your life or whoever you are here this morning, whoever's listening to this, if somebody's giving you a copy of this message, you're hearing it on the internet, you may not be happy with your life. But what you consider failure, God considers it a beautiful vessel that has not yet been fashioned in his hand. And if you will just give your life to Him, He will take it and make something beautiful out of it. And not only will it affect you, but it will affect generations after you. So if you've messed up, God can fix it. You don't like the epitaph that's described for your life? Then change it. God can change it. Look at the woman of the well. Remember that story? This woman had failed in marriage seven times. Seven times she has failed. But then she met Jesus and went and won the city to the Lord. She said, come and see the man that has told me everything here I've done. Look at Matthew, the publican. He was a tax collector, a thief, a shyster went on to be one of the disciples and a biographer of the life of Jesus Christ. God can use anybody. He can take your life and make it beautiful. The Apostle Paul, a murderer, he arrested and had Christians put to death. Then he met Jesus on the road to Damascus. And God changed him just like that. He went on to write over two-thirds of the New Testament. Simon Peter, who walked with Jesus, saw him raise the dead, saw him cleanse the leper, open the blind of the eyes, make the lame walk, saw him turn the water into wine, multiply the fish and the loaves, who had been told, this is the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus said, flesh and blood hath not revealed that to you, Peter, but my Father which is in heaven. And upon this rock I'll build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against him. Peter, that Peter, Jesus, in his darkest hour, he denied that he even knew him three times before the cock crew. But Jesus took that vessel 
and remolded it and made him chief among the apostles. And he told him, Peter, do you love me? Yes, I love you. Feed my sheep. Three times he restored Peter. And then David, a murderer. Now, now I'm going to tell you something, church. There's some things that people do that's hard for me to overlook. When I see them, there's people in my life. I, I, I run into them every once in a while. I don't see the person. All I see is what they did. Come on, I'm, I'm, I'm being off, honest with you. I don't see that person. All I see is what they did. And it's hard for me to get beyond that. But Jesus isn't like that. Because when he puts that under the blood, it's forgiven. It's removed. It's never remembered against you again. See, he doesn't see David who took the a one little ewe lamb and killed it. He sees a man after his own heart. Amen. So, I don't know where you're at this morning, and I don't know really who's listening to this message and outside of this room, because we do have we're, we're going to be having these sermons on the internet, and sometimes you give a recording to people. But no matter what you've done in your life, Jesus Christ can change all of that and fix it if you will just surrender to Him. Some people said to me, yeah, I'm such a... Listen, what makes you such a super sinner that God can't forgive you? There, There are no super sinners. They're just sinners. And we all have been there, or maybe you are there. So I'm going to read the words of this song, and then I'm going to close in prayer and uh, give you an invite to make things right with God this morning. I love this song. It says, I've loved you long, and it's a song, it's actually a a ballad about the prodigal son. He says, I loved you long before your eyes first saw the day. Everything I've done for you was to help you on your way. And even though you've chosen darkness with its miseries and fears, even though you've turned from me and wasted all these years, Even though my name's been splattered in the mire in which you lie, I'd take you back this instant if you would just turn to me and cry. Because I don't care where you've been sleeping. I don't care who made your bed. I've already gave my life to set you free. There's no sin that you can imagine that is stronger than my love. And it's all yours if you'll come back again to me. You can start a new life today. Because God's the God of new beginnings. Isn't that good news? I'm glad that David repented, gave his life to Christ. So we're going to take communion if the elders will join me at the front. But while they're coming, if you're here this morning and you're messing up or you've messed up, you know, and maybe, you know what, maybe you've been coming to church and you're attending and you're singing our songs and all this, but you've never really said, God, I'm sorry. You never really had that moment of repentance. Years ago, I used to ask people, can you point me to a place and time when you know that you know that you gave your life to Christ? Can you go back in your mind and say, I remember the day that I said, Lord, I repent and I invite you into my life. Is there a time, is there a place that you did that? Because some people get the idea, well, I've I've always been saved. I've always believed in God. 
You know the very first word that came out of Jesus' mouth when he started his earthly ministry was repent. Very first word he spoke, the very first sermon he preached, the first word was repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. Our life needs to begin with repentance. The word repent just simply means 180. It means turning from your sin and turning to God. So if you haven't done that, why don't you make today the day of repentance? The day to come to Jesus and say, Lord, my life is on the potter's wheel and it's a wreck. Maybe you've served the Lord and your life has been spun out of control and your life is a mess. And you want to just have a new beginning and a new start today. God can take your life and make something beautiful out of it. I'm going to ask you to bow your head if you would, please, before we take communion this morning. If that's you, I want you to stand up right where you're at. Everybody's seated. I want you to stand up right where you're at. I want to pray with you. Nobody's watching. This is between me and you and God. Anybody want to take an act of faith, a step of faith this morning? I see you. God bless you. God bless you, man. I see you, sir. Come on. Today can be the day of a brand new beginning. Lord, my life is a mess, but I want to start over right now. God is so gracious and good. The steadfast joy of the Lord is new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness, he says. Anyone else? I want to start over today. I want to make my life new in Christ today. Before I pray, anyone else? You continue to keep your heads bowed. Father, I thank you for these that have stood today. Lord, you know exactly what's going on in their life. Father, there may be others. There may be people, Lord, just listening to this message. I pray that whoever it is, wherever they are, God, that you just meet with them right now, Lord. God, you said any person that comes to you with a contrite spirit and a broken heart that you will in no wise turn away. Father, they have brought their heart before you and say, Lord, I want you to fix this, Lord. It's, it's got, it's marred. It is, I want you to make it over, God. Make this vessel over again and make it something useful and something beautiful. God, I pray that your blessing will be on them now, Lord. God, that your mercy will be on them. And for, for those, Lord, it may not even be their physical children. It may be spiritual children. Those they speak lives, as they speak into, God, that your, your mercy will be on them from generation to generation for many years after, Lord. Their epitaph, God, will be that like David's. They have a heart after you, God. Now, I pray for the body of Christ this morning, Lord in general lord that we would all have that testimony lord that we pleased you god and that our heart was after you in jesus name amen thank you for listening to this message we hope you are blessed and encouraged by it central virginia assembly of god is located on 5052 cross county road mineral virginia 23117 if you would like more information about the church visit us at centralvaag.org or call 804 514 2413. We would love to hear from you. God bless.